Live from the fish tank, it's your host Ronnie with another episode of the DSAC Fantasy Podcast. So, as always, heading into a playoff, uh, we will have a playoff preview episode. Uh, that interview will come for the first. I don't know if I did this last time or not, but we're going to be doing the the pre or the uh, the recap of football first to lead into the playoff preview because it only makes sense to talk about what happened this past week before we talk about what we think will happen this week so for sequencing purposes that'll be the case uh and we're gonna have quite a few trades to talk about very busy trade week actually and then hockey and basketball matchups of course so let's uh get into we'll do trades first all right let's uh lead off intended with baseball uh, we had a couple of baseball trades here Keith already getting some of his uh, offseason moves underway the first move he made was with Nathan Keith sent Ahmed Rosario and Vidal Brujan to Nathan in exchange for Vaughn Grissom uh, Rosario I believe uh, will join his middle infield battery mate well it's not a you know what I mean uh, in uh Oh, God, what's his name? <laughs> Shit, I'm like, I can picture his face in my head right now. Who's the guy for Cleveland up the second base? Andres Jimenez. There we go. There we go. Uh, I believe Nathan has Jimenez. You know, I should probably check that now that I spent, like, 30 seconds trying to think of the guy's name. Uh, it'd be really funny if Nathan doesn't have Jimenez, wouldn't it? Checking. Yep. Okay, cool. He does have Jimenez. Okay. Crisis averted there. So Nathan will have both Guardians middle infielders. And this one to me seems like a, a bet on on Grissom for Keefe more than anything else. Or perhaps maybe a bet on Rosario not quite uh, playing up to the same talent level. That he showed this year. Uh, let me take a look at what uh, Rosario did. Because Grissom was a, a late season call up. Didn't really have a huge sample size. So Rosario hit 283 with 11 homers and 18 steals. 86 runs, 71 RBIs. That's pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, pretty A pretty weak bat though. Only a 715 OPS. Um... Yeah, I, I think there's a decent profile there, and I think also here this trade shows that Keefe is not very high on Vidal Brujan, and to be quite honest, I don't know if I am either. Uh, he's gotten some time now in the bigs, and it just, like, hasn't clicked for him, like, at all. Like, not even, like, seeing, like, signs of having flashes of, of things clicking for him. So, uh, don't hate this trade for either side. I think I would probably prefer Rosario's track record over Grissom's potential here I guess but maybe I'm just not high enough on Grissom as I should be I mean to be quite honest here there's quite a few players whom I've had um, questionable evaluations on in the past so do not take my word for a gospel here for sure um, the next one was Keith trading with Alex Keith sending Andrew Heaney's extension rights Mackenzie Gore Brandon Marsh, Jesus Sanchez, and a second rounder 
for Tyler O'Neill, who Alex will extend, and Emmanuel Rodriguez. Um, big fan of Rodriguez. I point, pointed out a couple of times how I attempted to to wait on him in our recent, recent rookie draft, but my um, array of picks did not line up for me to end up taking him, unfortunately. I was disappointed about that, but he'll end up on a team who hopefully values him properly. And then Keith, uh, I don't know what to make of Tyler O'Neill. Um, had a really, really good 2021 and a really bad 2022. Um, I'm going to go take a look at these peripherals real quick because I'm pretty sure one of his big things was his plate discipline. So let's take a quick look at uh, the strikeout and walk rates here. So 2021, he had a 144 WRC plus, only a 101 this year. The uh, the BABIP uh, fell quite a bit, almost 100 points. Uh, the walk rates actually went up, and the K rate actually went down. But the ISO fell a whole lot too, so... Oh, man. Uh, I... Looking at this, I don't know how enthusiastic I would be about Tyler O'Neill next year. I think he'll improve over his 2022, but I think he's probably closer to his 2022 than his 2021. But even then, the guy who, you know, could be a, a, a 20 homer, oh, well, he only played 96 games this year. So he, he could vary. If he plays, you know, 130, the 138 he played in 2021. O'Neill could easily be like a, a 20, 23 homer guy and a 20 steel guy. And, well, if you can go 20 20, that's, that's worth a, a good amount, even if, you know, the some of the other stuff isn't really as productive. Because on a certain level, fantasy stats um, don't necessarily equate to productive offense in real life. So. I don't hate that bet by Keefe. Uh, Mackenzie Gore has... He's been, like, the guy for... It feels like four or five years now as, like, a pitching prospect. And he just hasn't translated that to big league success at an extended level yet. Uh, I still like him, but I don't know if it's just, like, prospect like fatigue or what, but he's definitely lost some luster there. Marsh, I I kind of think he's tracking to be more of a, a defense-first player. Uh, he'll probably be relevant to fantasy. I don't think he's like quite like Christian Pache, Victor Robles levels of irrelevant in fantasy, but I don't think he's going to be maybe quite as good as some expectations had him just a couple years ago. Uh, Jesus Sanchez hits the piss out of the ball. He's a fun. He's a fun player. Uh, he doesn't really um, hit for average very well, but oh boy, when he makes contact, that ball goes a long way. Uh, and then Andrew Heaney is the other guy here with extension rights for going from Keith to Alex. Uh, mm. He was pretty decent for the Dodgers, and I immediately forget where he signed. Off the top of my head, Andrew Heaney. He signed with 
Texas. Okay, Texas has a decently big ballpark, I think, so that'll help. But Heaney's been a guy who has, like, all the peripherals and, like, the stuff numbers look really good. But for the most part, he hasn't been able to get that to translate to actual success. Uh, as I said, he pitched decent for the Dodgers last year. He had a... Uh, where is ERA on Fangraphs? He had a 310 ERA last year for the Dodgers in 72 and two-thirds innings. That's really good. Um, health has been a concern for him. He hasn't pitched over 130 innings since 2018. Uh, so you're probably not looking at more than like 130, 140, maybe 150 innings if you get really, really lucky this year with, with him. Uh, I don't think he's going to be a 3.1 ERA. I think he'll be a little higher than that. Probably high threes, low fours, but I just want to point this out because good lord, this dude was awful. I mean, awful for the Yankees. Just horrendous. I've never, I don't recall seeing a pitcher for the Yankees pitch so badly compared to his supposed talent level. Uh, We're talking 35 and two-thirds innings for the Yankees. He allowed 13 homers. He had a 7-3-2 ERA. He was bad. And his FIP was even like a 6.93. So it's not like he was like getting horribly unlucky. He was just outright bad. That was coming off a year where he had a 5-2-7 with the Angels. So I don't know why the Yankees even went out for him. But it seemed like they, they had the same track in their head as the Dodgers did. Like, here's a guy with some tools here we can hopefully you know, rein him in and fix him, but the Yankees could not. Dodgers look like they did, so I'll be very curious to see what Texas can do. Uh, That was baseball trades. Uh, We had a couple, or quite a few actually, in basketball. Uh, Barry sent Terry Rozier to Mike for Jeremy Sohan and Jonathan Kaminga for allowing Barry to reunite, and I quote, Kamudi, the type of nickname that sends like a shiver down my spine because of how just ugh, it is. Um, Sohan is an interesting player. I don't really know what to make of him for fantasy. Um, I feel like he just kind of seems like the type that's going to be more effective in real life than in fantasy. But we're talking about a guy who's played, you know, merely a handful of games in the grand scheme of things at the the NBA level. Um, he's a very good agitator. He's a pr- plays with good energy, so he's going to rebound the ball very well, I would ass- for his size at least. I would assume he's going to have some decent defense numbers once he hits his peak, but I just don't know if he's going to be super impactful. Kaminga, though, Kaminga has a, pr- a really good ceiling, and that's why I think this trade it kind of makes sense for both sides here. Uh, Mike gets a more win-now piece and moves off a player who admittedly had been frustrating Mike on Kaminga. Kaminga's looked very good in the last few, uh, last few, last couple weeks, really, if you want to get technical with it. Uh, He's had some good showings for the Warriors. Uh, His eventual upside is kind of capped, I guess, by how long Draymond Green stays with the Warriors. Because Wiggins is locked in now long-term, and I don't know if Kaminga will ever usurp Wiggins at any point. But there is another forward spot there, and if Draymond eventually moves on or what have you, Kaminga could take that spot, and you could have a, a 
Steph Clay, Kamingo, Wiggins, and uh, Looney starting lineup. Um, or maybe Kamingo just ends up being a uh, a seventh man for the Warriors for the next you know four or five years, depending on what what happens with Draymond. Uh, so there's a very interesting range of outcomes there for Kaminga. But on Barry's side, uh, he moves off of Terry Rozier, a player who had been incredibly inefficient, like just absolutely god-awful shooting the ball this year, uh, below a 400 field goal percentage, I believe. And then he proceeds to immediately shoot the ball very well for Mike. <laughs> so you got to wonder what's going on there in the Scunthorpe locker room that has players shooting as poorly as Terry Rozier, and he just apparently can't wait to get out of there and shoot the ball pretty well for, for Mike. Um, the next trade-up was Malik Beasley to Kevin in exchange for Alonzo Ball to Keefe. Um, I think I like this more for Kevin. Um, let me look at the contracts here. This will be a an important thing here. So Alonzo Ball um, has one more year after this at nine. This year at nine million, and next year at nine million. Malik Beasley is. An expiring deal at five million. So, from Keith's perspective, he gets a player with a longer term on his contract. That's good. Um, I, I'm not gonna lie. I'm concerned about Lonzo Ball's value going forward. Um, he had knee surgery, I think, about a year ago now, and like he still can't run, jump, and cut. Like this, this doesn't seem. Like, it's a, a particularly... Like, I don't even know if he was going to play this year, to be honest with you. Like this is a an interesting situation for sure. Uh, I, th- I think Kevin did all right, taking a guy who's going to actually be on the court. Maybe he can flip Beasley for something. Maybe he just extends Beasley. I don't really know what the plan is there. But I, I see it for both sides, but I think I probably lean Kevin's side here just because of how much uncertainty there is with with Lonzo's knee at the moment. Uh, the next trade up was Kevin making another deal after taking over for Tom. He sends Jamal Murray, Bam Adebayo, and Cash to Ping in exchange for Keldon Johnson, Chet Holmgren, and three first-round draft picks. Um, well, it's Alex, Keefe, and a Ping draft pick. So likely all going to be outside of the lottery. So that's not great for Kevin. But he does get Chet Holmgren, who was very much a lottery pick this year. And as much as Chris wants to talk down on him, I think relatively highly of Chet in a, a dynasty setting. So really like that there. I think that alone for Bam is I, – I, depending on my build, I would you know consider a Bam for Chet swap one for one. Maybe probably add a little bit to the Chet side just because of the injury at the moment. Um, Jamal Murray's an interesting one. Uh, he's a point guard who's not going to be a, a first option in Denver with Nikola Jokic being there. Doesn't, it's not a bad thing. I mean, there's plenty of people who aren't first options that are very relevant in a 14-team fantasy league. Um, I just don't know if he'll ever reach the level of play that he showed in the bubble again. So not really incredibly high in Jamal Murray. Um, Keldon is kind of disappointed a little bit, I think. I don't know if, if that's actually true or maybe I was just kind of reading into too much into what Ping was saying about his hopes and expectations for Kelden this season. But I think I like this for Kevin uh, with with Chet and Kelden. 
Um, he kind of helps accelerate the tank a little bit with Chet missing most, if not all, of the season. Uh, he offloads two contributing players, only gets back one, adds three picks, and probably helps his win-loss record in the, ne- in the, the loss direction uh, for lottery odds. And the final pick here was Keefe sending a first, a second, Chris Boucher and Mo Bamba to Murph for Miles Bridges. I think I like this for Murph just because I do we know when Miles Bridges is going to play again? The Bridges contract is objectively good, um, easy to extend, especially with how much of the season he's going to miss if he comes back at all this year. But, oh, uh, man. If you can get Boucher and Bamba on the contracts that they're on, which combine for less than Miles Bridges for what it's worth, and you pick up a first-round draft pick plus a second, even though the second's... Mm, I I think I'd do that 10 times out of 10. There's just too much uncertainty with Miles Bridges in his legal status here. So that's what I would do. And then lastly, only one trade in hockey, but go oh boy, was it a doozy. Uh, Barry going for it, in a way. He sends uh, three, or I'm sorry, two first-round draft picks, a second-rounder, and Shane Pinto, along with Yegor Sharangovich. Holy shit, Chris, Jesus. It's the spelling on this. I'm going to have to fix a whole bunch of these. Okay, spelling mistakes aside. In... Uh, he gets back Nikolai Ehlers, Dylan Cousins, Jonathan Huberdeau, and Joel Erickson Eck. Honestly, I think I like this one for Mike more. Um, Ehlers is a a pretty good player. Uh, I'm going to have to pull up his 2021-22 stats because he has played like two, maybe three games this year. Uh, last year, he had pretty decent numbers see exactly what he was at so I can give a, a more um, accurate take here, I think. Accurate may be an oxymoron in this case, but hey, you never know. Blind blind uh, squirrel finds not once in a while. Broken clock is right twice a day, whatever um, sayings you want to use in this situation. Okay, Nikolai Ehlers, uh, last season stats. He played 62 games, had... Uh, the math in my head, 57, no, 55 points, uh, about four shots a game, didn't really hit or block a ton of shots, so Barry, Barry adds offense and shooting, uh, a pretty shocking low number of special teams points for Ehlers and only nine, um, last year as well, who else do I want to look at here? Huberto had a career year last year. 30 goals, 85 assists. The 85 assists is far and away the most assists a left winger has ever had in a single season. He had a lot of shots, 222 shots. Little over hit a game. He didn't really block a ton of shots. And he had a whopping 43 special teams points. Uh, so pretty strong chance of regression there. And we've seen it this year with a new team with Huberto. Uh, Eric Sneck is... The type of player that Barry sorely needed, I think he might be, in the now at least, my my favorite addition for Barry. Um, the offense is pretty, sh- <laughs> not pretty, it's, it's all right with Erickson Eck, um, but the faceoff wins are there. He shoots the puck a decent amount. He hits a lot. Uh, 
And then you have Dylan Cousins, who I think is probably the most valuable piece Barry got back. He only, he only had 38 points last year in 79 games, but he's still really young. 383 face-offs, 160 shots, 35 hits, 10 special teams points. He was not bad for essentially what was his rookie season. If we take a look at this season now, uh, Eric Sinek is almost a point a game. So he's upped his offense a little bit. We'll see if he can maintain that pace. The face-offs, they appear to be up a little bit. The shots are probably decently on the same path. And hits probably two. So Barry gets a very, very good player there. Cousins is lighting up the scoreboard a little bit more than he did last year. He already has 27 points in just 28 games. Uh, Curious to see what Buffalo can do here, but that's a strong addition for Barry too. Huberto, though, is the one I... I think getting off of Huberto was an excellent move by Mike. Uh, talk about a guy on an expiring deal. I believe he's on a $14 million contract. That's not a contract I'm extending at all. That's just not... Well, I guess he's pretty far down on the player rater. Huberto among left-wingers is left-wing 50. So that's going to be a minimum minimum extension if this holds. That's you're talking... Do a quick math in my head, like fifteen and a half million. I I still don't think I would make that extension. Huberto's got just four goals and thirteen assists on the season. Uh, the shot rate has come way down. It's below two a game now, as opposed to being nearly three a game last year. The hits are about the same. Special teams points are are down, way down. Uh, just not a player I'm really enthused about long term. So. I think that's a good move by Mike. And the important thing here that Mike got is Mike got his own first-round draft pick back that Nathan so foolishly traded in the first place. And he got back a pick from Barry as well. So the pick that Mike got back that's his own is, quite frankly, pretty good odds to be first overall. And if it's first overall, Mike wins this trade. Straight up, just wins the trade. If it's second overall or even third overall, I think Mike still wins this trade because I think the top end of this draft is just so strong. But Connor Bernard is the real prize here, and Mike is really hoping that he gets that. And then I think getting Barry's first rounder too, I, I'll be quite honest here, I don't think Barry moved the needle enough to put him in a playoff spot. I just think he's too far back, and I think there's just too many holes in his team that this trade didn't really address. Uh, I just think it's going to end up being a... Uh, a solid move for Mike, so long as he gets you know at least one top three draft pick, and we could be looking at a world where he has two of them if the lottery breaks right for him. And I'd even mention Shane Pinto, who I think can be a, a decently valuable player um, for our league. I do want to take a quick look and see what he's at on the season. He started off really hot, uh, goal scoring wise. That's not going to hold up, and it hasn't held up. But I think he could be a pretty good. Middle six center in real life. Oh boy, fourteen faceoff wins tonight. It's pretty good for for most centers. Twenty twenty three season. He's got nine goals, four assists. Uh, faceoffs on the season are actually lower than you would expect after how many he won today. Uh, but he did play Anaheim. They're not very good at the, the faceoff circle. Uh, about two shots a game, about a hit a game. I think Pinto is a, a very very valuable. I shouldn't say very valuable. But he's he's a good young player. 
I think Barry got him off waivers, so his extension price could be higher than you may want for someone, his age and his production level, but I think Pinto is, you know, a worthwhile piece, to say the least. Well, that took longer than I thought. Let's go ahead and quickly uh, go through the football recap. So I'm not going to do individual matchups because we didn't have matchups, so I'm merely going to point out the the teams that won. So Sean picked up a win. Jared Goff had 26.1 points. Terry Kill had 22.1 points for him. Uh, Alex also picked up a win. Trevor Lawrence with 33.42 points. Tony Pollard with 20.2 points. Not a uh, not a great look, um, not extending him for Murph there. I believe Pollard is like RB7 on the season. Yeah, RB7. That's a player Murph should have extended, and it shouldn't have really been a difficult decision, I think, but here we are. Speaking of Murph, he picked up a win. Uh, Russell Wilson went for 25.58 points, his best season, best week of the season by far. Um, Mike Williams had 20.6. Austin Eckler had 20.4 Pretty decent week for Murph. Well, high end week. The uh, the rest of the team wasn't as ho- as as strong as you would expect for having you know three guys that combined for like sixty seven points. Uh, you got Barry picking up a win, finishing strong. Gino goes for twenty point five six points. Uh, let's see here. I don't see Tua in his top three. I wonder what happened. Huh. Oh my god, I fuck. It's not what I wanted to go. I no, I don't want this stupid fucking ad. I clicked on the wrong link. I don't want to go to Fantasy Cast. Give me out the stupid Jesus Christ. <sighs> I just want to make a Tua joke and this is making it really freaking hard, ESPN. I don't like this. Tua had twelve point six points there. It's not as funny as I wanted because of the f- delay and the payoff there. That's st- lame all right chris got a win chris sneaks into the playoffs at the death uh he's gonna grab the win that tom failed to get and he's gonna be the sixth seed i believe maybe who was the five seed murph i think chris might actually be the uh the five seed so i think by points four he's gonna no murph ones yeah he'll be uh He'll be the, the sixth seed. 27.8 for Justin Jefferson. It never gets easier seeing Jefferson's score lines, in case you're wondering. Uh, Nathan got a win. Nobody hit 20 points on his team, but he still got the win. And Paolo got a win. Or, I'm sorry, Mike <laughs> Mike got a win. Jerry Judy with 29.3 points as... Mike moves to 7 and 7, hurting his lottery odds there. He's going to be very happy with that actually because he doesn't have his pick. So, Josh probably not too thrilled about that. But here we are. That's how uh the football week went. We can do a quick look at the team of the week and then with the editing magic I have, we can go to the football preview right after that for the playoffs. So quarterback of the week, Trevor Lawrence for Alex with 33.42. The top running back would have been Jarek McKinnon, but Pink benched him. So instead, it's Christian McCaffrey. 28.3 points for me. Miles Sanders had 28 for Nutt. Jerry Judy, wide receiver one with 29.3 for Mike. Justin Jefferson, 27.8 for Chris. 
Evan Engram had 33.7 for Paolo, highest scoring player of the week overall. Uh, Jamar Chase had 23.5, also for Paolo. Uh, Tyreek Hill had 22.1 for Sean. Jalen Hurts had 30.38 for Keefe. And kicker, Jake Elliott had 12 for Nathan, but that's only because Paolo benched Riley Patterson and not benched Dylan Carlson. So two kickers ahead of Elliott, or in Carlson's case, tied with Elliott, uh, would have been kicker of the week, but their owners benched him because apparently they had other kickers on their roster that somehow... It's it's funny to me how many kickers would have been kicker of the week, but they were benched or just on waivers. So there's team of the week. Head over now to the, the preview. All right, and we have a playoff preview, and uh, the co-host, or the guest rather, or both at this point, uh, is not Chris for this. So welcome on uh, his better replacement, uh, Ping, again. How's it going, babe? Okay, nope, we're not doing this. I'm going to restart this recording. Uh, no. Uh, yeah, so football playoffs, I figured what better uh, person to have on than someone who's in the trenches on this one uh, and someone who's a higher seed than lowly Chris who's too busy playing video games or some shit for us. Yeah. He probably won't even have time to listen to this while he's playing his video games. Yeah, we'll probably, like, give like a, a message in the chat like three weeks and like oh i should better i better catch up on the podcast oh uh, yeah yeah or take a shower dirty best <laughs> i was not expecting that all right so uh where do we want to start here because there's only uh two matchups that really matter this week even though you you better believe that i'm playing the the consolation ladder as if it's an actual game. <laughs> yeah. Well, let, let's start with the consolation ladder then. No, let's, um, let's not do that. Okay. Well, let's start with my matchup since it's the, um, I guess, the uh, lower seed, seeded matchup. The, what is it? The, the four or five. Four, four or five? Yeah. You are the four Yeah, seed. I mean, I think I played my way into the four spot pretty well this week. I think that was the more desirable of the three, four, um, Chris being the highest scoring, uh, person basically in this round, um, certainly not want to be the, the three seed looking at Chris, like, really, this is, this is what I get for being the three seed for finishing that high is Chris. That feels more like a punishment than a reward. It's kind of like almost real how real football works. Like, you know, just because the team is good doesn't mean they're going to be, you know, uh, a one seed, two seed, three seed. You know, it's it's like a team performing right is just as dangerous as any seed. It's not really – since it's only, you know, one game that each player gets to play, it's not a law of averages. It's hoping that this guy gets 25 points. Yeah. <laughs> so – but um, I know one guy who won't get 25 points this weekend. It's Kyler Murray. Yeah, that's very unfortunate. Uh, like quite, quite possibly the worst timing for for such a thing. I, I would almost rather that happen like during a playoff round than the week before, if that makes sense. Um, I would much rather it happen on week one, so it would allow me to get a better draft position. 
Yeah. Go into the playoffs without a quarterback that I was relying on. But yeah, I see what you're saying. It, it's like at least get in there and, and get going. So you still have some hopium pumping through your veins. Yep. But, but he's also got another guy who's going to get zero this week, and that's Russell Wilson. Oh, Arizona's defense is not, you know, strong, super strong. Well, Russell Wilson's not going to play. Is he not? He got a concussion. Oh, I, I guess I didn't realize he was in serious danger of. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. That'd be <laughs> wow. Uh, God. Yeah, quarterbackless this week. Oh my God, I would like <laughs> nothing makes me more angry as a team that did not make the playoffs than seeing teams that do make the playoffs have shit like this happen to them. Like, obviously, it's not Merce's fault, but, like, you you just can't help but be on the outside looking in and looking at a team like that. Like, really? Yeah. They're in the playoffs, and, like, they and like the, the last week they lose both their quarterbacks. Yeah, and, I mean, my team, let's be honest, hasn't been performing great recently. But all things considered, you know, I to get to the next round, I think I had to be in this matchup. I mean, my running backs have been in disarray. Corlin Sutton's been dealing with a hamstring the past couple of weeks. And he's been dealing with Russell Wilson. And he's been dealing with Russell Wilson the whole season and been okay-ish. So my my wide receiver spot is pretty light. Um, been toying with the idea of going ahead and calling up uh, Jameson Williams because, you know, he caught a, a pass last week, and that's a step forward. And it's against Murph, so might as well call him up and play him over – you know, Isaiah Hodges could get another touchdown this week, but I wouldn't want to put money on it. So um, it'd be worth the risk. Yeah, I mean, and do we really feel strong about it? Yeah, I guess Isaiah Hodges, well, he's also scored touchdowns the last two weeks. But outside of that, I don't know if you're really, like, thrilled about what his stat line looks like if he doesn't score. So I, I right. could see that being a, a very worthwhile risk, especially since you already talked about your strategy of wanting to call Williams at some point in the season anyway. Like, he almost might as well. Right, right. It's like, you know, hey, what's the worst that could happen? I switch my change my mind and, and drop him again and put him back on the rookie squad. You know, it's because he's going to come back up at the end of the year anyway. So it's it's something that I'm toying with. And if I'm going to do it in a high risk situation, this is probably the lowest high risk that, that I can do it in. Yep. Um, with the line being plus 26 me, <laughs> with yeah. having Jared McKinnon touchdown Jesus in there. I mean, good God, this guy's been. Really performing well. I think one time I was on the pod with you, was like, yeah, I don't think I'll ever play this guy unless someone's hurt. And now it's like, man, no one's hurt, no buys. I'm probably going to play him. Yeah, I, I don't think I would want to attempt to touch that Chiefs backfield, to be honest with you. <laughs> it's not a great thing, but at the same time, they're playing Houston, so I feel like the backfield, especially not necessarily the number one guy, could get extra work. Yeah, that's fair. That's no. that's my logic with with that approach. I mean, um, <laughs> Marlon Mack could roll the dice on him getting uh, another touchdown this week. But I was I, think, I was going to jokingly go there um, as no, notably the guy who drafted Marlon Mack to start with. Yeah. At, at this yeah. point, like Marlon Mack is almost like, I mean, obviously the the Jefferson trade is the, the big meme thing from the walleye. But Marlon Mack tearing his Achilles like in the second quarter of week one of our entire season, or entire league, like the first year is like the seminal moment that like you should have realized 
you know, maybe it's just not going to happen for the walleye. Like, yeah, I, I drafted him decently early. Yeah. He, I gave him a four-year deal and then, like, five carries into into his time in the walleye. Like, and that's a career. I've held on to him the whole this whole season uh, somehow, uh, but I mean you're you're kind of you're kind of handcuffed there a little bit, no? Well, yeah. I mean, it's like who who else is truly that much better? And um, like, fin- are you one. even able to financially if you wanted to? Oh That's yeah, I mean, he's, more only, he's only only an eight and a half million dollar hit, and I've got cash for days. I guess I oh yeah wow yeah holy cow. <laughs> yeah exactly like my team my team's set up to succeed for a while and make free agency moves and extensions that's why i needed those extra extensions um or would be much better off with them rather yeah <laughs> but uh um, oh, well. yeah. but yeah i don't really like you know trying to be you know from an outsider's Looking in here, I wouldn't like Murph's chances regardless, I guess. I mean, if he has Kyler and Russ, I think I would, you know, this, this could probably be like a, a darn near coin flip for me. I would probably favor um, Murph if both of those two were healthy. Um, not by a lot, but like I would lean, if I had to pick, I would pick him again, both healthy. I mean, Diggs could very well get 30. Eckler could very well get 30. Mike Williams is pretty talented, too. Yeah, you never know with those kind of guys. So um, he has more boom potential than I do. I mean, my, my boom is uh, Adams and, I guess, Kittle. Uh, but, uh, I, I think you could maybe put Jamal Williams in there if he vultures two touchdowns. Yeah, I was thinking that, too, but they're also playing the Jets. Um, probably not the one team you would expect that to happen against, but you're right. He, he has that potential. I guess Najee Harris could be a guy, but he hasn't done it all season. Yeah, I I don't know what to make of him, to be honest with you. He's, at, th- at this point, he's like the most, he's, not the most, he's like the least sexy running back who like you kind of have to start. Like you're not like thrilled about it, but like, well, he's going to give me 10 points. It, it's it's kind of like the the old adage with Frank Gore, like if you need three yards, he's gonna give you four yards. If you need five yards, he's gonna give you four yards. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's his carries are there, so you're you're welcoming that opportunity. Um, it's really about game flow for him, in my opinion. You know, do they are they competing in the game? Are they going to be running the ball enough to justify his touches to where they're you know, valuable touches and where they've spread the field enough. They, their passing game has just been so up and down. That's why I really feel like his consistency hasn't been there this year. But Yeah, um, I mean, he doesn't have Roethlisberger doing 10 dropdowns a game, a check down yeah, a game to I mean, him. He, he still has a hell of a lot of receptions, but nowhere near last year. I feel like in like three or four games, he matched what he's got this year. Yeah, I mean, since the bye week, they've played five games. He has eight catches. In those five games, so it's the the volume is definitely not even close to what it was last year. Even if it's you know better than it is for some backs. Right, right, and you know being half PPR, it's not as 
as valuable as you'd like it to be. But I mean, just with the opportunities that he's going to have, you have it's not a he's not going against the lockdown defense. Carolina's good, but they're just not one that you would say I have to sit my running back against. Yeah. Um, I think we're both in agreement here. I'm not overly optimistic for my team, but um, I do favor my team quite a bit. Yeah, I would say you probably got a pretty good chance here of winning this one. And then uh, after we talk about the other uh, quarterfinal, we can talk about uh, what the semis and perhaps the finals can look like. I think last time you and I did one of these, I think we, I think you and I did the baseball playoff preview and we were like yeah. so incredibly incorrect. It wasn't even funny. Well, yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I think I picked myself losing after the first round. I, I probably agreed with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we agreed like across the board, and then there was like one that was a corn flip man with and, uh, Mike and Alex. Yeah, and like none of that happened. It ended up being you over Alex. So yeah. So speaking of Alex, should we move on to the other quarter? Sure. Yeah. Um, the damn dirty apes versus the Fargo Frostbite. The per, projection. Is, yeah, lines are real close. Yeah, the line is even. One and one point one spread favoring Chris. Um, I feel like that's pretty accurate here. Like, I don't see anything jumping out to me to say yet. Like, this is this is a crazy projection to where this guy could perform. You know, you obviously hope for the boom potential in some places, but yeah, I mean, this really could be a coin flip to me. I think if I had to pick, I'd probably slightly favor Alex. See, I, I would feel. Famous last words here. Pretty confident about Chris here. Maybe it's just, you know, looking at Mahomes and just, you know, expecting Fields to break off another 80-yard touchdown run like he does every week, it seems. Or like Justin Jefferson going off for 30. But then you look at Alvin Kamara, who's been painfully mediocre. And Josh Palmer, who is in, in Smith-Schuster and Higby, who are all kind of eh, eh, options for their slots. So, yeah, with... With Mahomes, it's like, to me, it's like a game where he could be out by the third quarter. So, to me, that almost limits his upside. And it also boosts Alex because if uh, Pacheco just runs over Houston, you know, that could kind of cross out the need to, for Mahomes to get all the points, you know. So, that's kind of, it's like a matchup. Favorite almost is not playing in. Chris's favor, yeah. I guess, is the way, way I'm looking at it. I guess with um, I guess with the concerns of game flow for Kansas City, that one can say that anything is possible. Whoa, like what you did there. Yeah. For people who don't get the joke, uh, like an 80 year old Michigan alumni, Chad Henney is still a backup for Kansas City. So I, I don't I don't imagine that you know some some people probably know that Kansas City backup quarterback, but there's probably a few people who who don't. He's like uh, Chase Daniels, but worse. Did Chase Daniel ever start for a couple seasons? Like, at least Henny had those years with Jacksonville. I think he started games. I don't know if he started, like, they prepared a season for him to be a starting quarterback. Yeah, I was going to say, it's like, like, Chase Daniel is, like, the, like, the dream job. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. He... Is living the dream, making millions of dollars, just going to uh, the QB room each week. Yeah. So, 
Chad Henney has started 13 or more games three times. Right. Chase Daniel has started five games in his career. <laughs> so they're both around, around the same age, though. So yeah, that was like yeah. the, that was like the most irrelevant tangent we've I've gone on as a podcast host, and that's saying something. <laughs> I was about to send you another one and say, I wonder who's made more money. Uh, probably, anyway. probably Chase Daniel. Yeah, but anyway, um, yeah, Mahomes. I don't love his matchup for those reasons. Kamara is such a wild card. Like that guy could get a hundred points or zero points. I'd be not shocked at either. Um, Etienne, he, I just feel like he hasn't performed the way anybody wants him to for, like, in long periods of time. So I guess there was a streak where he had a few big games. Yeah, he had those but, three games, week seven through nine, where he had 18-4, 23-7, 25-6. Yeah, and that's what everyone anticipates when you get him, though, right? Like, yep. But other than that, he's only had three games over 10 points. So really don't know um and then there's jefferson who's just a stud um no comment you know i would never trade him ever if i had him but um then you got hollywood brown who (laughs) i mean he could be okay with uh colt back there but i don't know wouldn't have much faith yeah but he's got a good bench too if (laughs) <laughs> I mean, if he played the guys that scored well, I don't know. Um, yeah, well, uh, at this point, his bench is relatively almost – well, Devin Singletary is still lurking there. Gabe Davis is very boomer bust, but outside of those two, it's a little bit depleted now because Debo is out. Uh, his, his tight end room of just underwhelming mediocrity is well <laughs> represented on his bench. But, I mean, come on, Ron. How, how shocked would you be if Gabe Davis on his bench scored 20 points? Oh, you know? not not at all. Right. Well, I guess that's what I'm saying. It's like yeah. he's got potential on his, that he's leaving on his bench pretty much every week. So he can, he can flip off a guy for a matchup there. I mean, I wouldn't hold it against him if he started Gabe Davis, who's playing the Dolphins, versus over Hollywood Brown, who's playing the Broncos. Or you – know? Honestly, over Juju, too, but maybe yeah. I'm – I mean, maybe that's a, a bad take by me. Maybe I'm just too still scorned from that year. He was a complete bust in fantasy with the Steelers. I think it was like 20, 2019. Yeah, I think the year, he just uh, completely shit to that. Yeah, the year Brown left. Yeah. And I, I just harbor resentment from that year still. So. But yeah, and – I guess the, the negatives for Alex's side, you, know, you got Lawrence uh, playing against I, Dallas. I don't want to cut you off here, but I've had a joke lined up I've been waiting to say that is relevant now with Alex's team. The big issue he has is Ramondre Stevenson doing his best Alex's brother-in-law impersonation with the big Q tag next to his name. <laughs> but Wow. Carry on with your actual analysis. Yeah, um, so Lawrence, yeah, he's playing Dallas, and that's a tough, tough team. Um, I don't know what their, I guess, 
probably one of the better teams against quarterbacks. Um, they, but Pollard, you know, he, he could go off. Stevenson could go off. Um, Sun Guy could go off. Kirk could go off. And, Especially I mean, if Lawrence does. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just, I just I like his his top side potential a little bit more, I guess. That's why I would favor Alex's. Yeah, with Alex, I see more like consistency and stronger across the board. It's just a matter of, you know, I just think Chris has more star power that could be a game breaking. But at the same time, Chris also has more players that are game breaking in the other direction. Yeah. Yeah. I guess to sum it up, I like Alex's floor a little bit better and his ceiling a little bit better. But. I would take Fargo's um, four in the eighth ceiling, but it's bound that you and I are not going to agree on everything. So yeah, that's why you're yeah. in the playoffs and I'm not. That's you're goddamn right. Um, Chris, Chris's ceiling, realistic ceiling, I guess, is what I'm saying. Like he's not going to have all those players go off. It's just not possible. Um, it just won't happen. Uh, yeah, if one goes off, I wouldn't be shocked, but I just don't see him all going off. Um, Justin Fields against Philly, like he might he might die after that game. Philly's defense is really fucking good. Yeah, be curious to see how many carries he has in that game because I've said it many times. He, Fields has proved me wrong in a redress standpoint. I, I still don't believe dynasty, but yeah, I mean I think he's a great quarterback. Like I think owning him in dynasty would be he'd probably be like in redraft next year it'll be really high but like if you were to do a dynasty draft there would not be any quarterbacks you can go there's there's OSU bias there though lingering so yeah at least I acknowledge it yeah so you have Chris advancing I have Alex advancing um and hot take here I think whoever wins that matchup wins the, the semi against Nathan that's not a bad call, honestly. In my, in my opinion, Nate's team has slowly tapered off the whole season. Yep. He had um, a, a schedule that was softer than baby shit to start the year. And oh, that's a hot take. No, it, it literally wasn't. Like I Let me see. What, when was the first time he played a team that scored uh, – the first time Nathan played a team that scored 110 points was week nine. The first eight weeks he had was all under 110. He only had two guys that broke 100 against him in the first eight weeks. You, you can tell how, how much effort I put into my complaining about my schedule over the course of the season that I knew that. Yeah, I mean, Alex's uh, little, little uh, graphs and record things really fueled the fire there. Yep. So. You know, it's you know they they haven't really been super great. I mean, Tom Brady has been looking like Father Time is like kind of catching up to him. Yeah, he still has his his moments, but like last week, for example, was just bad. Um, the New Orleans game was not very good until the final four minutes. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I I mean, I guess Nate's running backs though are. Pretty pretty solid. I mean, he's currently has David Montgomery on his bench, so yeah. 
Yeah, Chubb has not been performing well recently, but you know, I think he's he's one of those guys you gotta play. Mixon, he's coming back from a concussion. I think he'll be fine. He had fourteen carries last week. Um Herbert, you know, gotta start that guy. He's good. Yeah, I'm I'm a little surprised though with, with Chubb, you know, only totaling uh 14.9 points over the last two weeks. I really thought that even with the uh, the the 12-week suspension that Deshaun Watson was used to operating with a chub at this point. But... <laughs> yeah, you would think. Oh, Man, yeah. that was your best one. I think I've ever heard on the pod. Yeah, they're all really um, good, but okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, let's see. He's got Lockett, too. You know, Lockett is a top 10 wide receiver. That's pretty fucking impressive. Is 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 Tyler Lockett the quietest player who's had a really good year? Because like I don't think I've heard like Tyler Lockett's name really dropped like at all, you know, being on social media or anything. And yet he's had you know all but three weeks over ten points. Yeah, I mean, I think I think he's like probably the, one of the better players that has had a good year that's been quiet, like. Like, no one would probably guess he'd be a top 10 wide receiver. Yep. Touchdown um, in six straight weeks. Yeah, I mean, it's just him and uh, him and Gino got that connection. So, and then he's got Waddle, too. I mean, Waddle's great. Waddle's also a top 10 wide receiver. Yeah. Um, he's just got a shit quarterback going to him, so you never know. Yeah. Uh, and... <laughs> I, I don't think Nathan would actually do this, but w- would you consider starting Baker Mayfield over Tom Brady? Oh, man, that's a tough call. Um, against Green Bay on Monday night for Baker and against Cincinnati for Tampa, it kind of depends on line health of, of if I would say this is the right call or not, but I would probably play Brady still. See, I'm trying to, you know, start shit. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like half of uh, Tampa's line has been sh- like injured or trash. Yeah. Um. So. Well, the Rams too, more than half. Yeah, but but Baker's playing for a job, and you can't. I mean, you can't discount that. And then uh, another thing of note here is, uh, Donovan Peoples Jones. The Browns are playing at home this week. Uh, so so naturally you know that's probably not great for for Dothan Peoples Jones his his three worst weeks have all come at home uh actually make that his four worst weeks have all come at home yeah I mean I don't know maybe he's been uh hanging out with Deshaun enough to get that connecting going you know good I mean He's gotten a pretty good uh, target volume the last two weeks. Or, well, only last week. He only had three in week 13, but he had 12 last week. It's pretty good. I didn't think you were going to say he's got a pretty good run of things. But anyway, I think I think uh, Nate's got a good team, but I think you're right, though. Whoever wins this matchup probably is going to be favored. Yeah, um, so – and then while we're at it here, I got one more one more Watson joke. He probably has uh, DPJ running a lot of uh, rub routes. Yeah, there you go. Get it in, bud. Um, Sean's team, 
Oh, actually, let's uh, let's take a quick break here. All right, uh, now that you guys all kind of heard how the sausage is made, I try to avoid that when I can. Uh, Tim was going to talk about Sean's team. Yeah, Sean's team is pretty fucking top tier. Um, it really depends, though, if if uh, Lamar comes back. I don't really have enough faith in Huntley to really leave that team to the playoffs, but, you know, his position players are solid. <laughs> uh, that's, I think, that's saying the least, probably. That's that's an understatement at this point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's got Dylan on his bench. He's got – I don't know if he's got, got Higgins on his bench for any real reason. but uh, he, He's hurt. I don't know if he's going to play or not. Uh, the most recent one was he's day to day with a hamstring. He had uh, I don't know if he I don't know if he was active last week, but he didn't get any targets last week, for what it's worth. Yeah. Yeah, I mean he's got probably the best flex t- tandem out there right now with Tyreek, the second overall wide receiver, and AJ Brown, the number two. Number I mean five that's that's you know skewed a little bit when he has Keenan and Van Jefferson in his receivers. If you if you flip those two, I don't think Keenan and Van Jefferson are the, are the best flex duo, but I get what you're saying. Yeah. 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 And, I mean Derrick Henry. I mean and Aaron Jones. I, he's got top ten talent everywhere. Yeah. He has, it's just, yeah. Two it's top ten so receivers, top. two top ten backs. It's pretty good. Yeah, and then you got Mark Andrews. The second overall tight, second tight end overall. Okay, because you mentioned this, we're gonna take a quick detour to talk about the walleye real quick because I find this just absolutely incredible. Uh, with Mark Andrews being tight end number two, so let me let me set the filters here on, on the players here because we're gonna you know roster bait for me a little bit here. So Mark Andrews has 128.9 points as tight end number two. Guess how many points Travis Kelsey has as tight end number one? 200. 216.9. Almost a hundred more. He's almost ninety more points ahead of Mark Andrews. Like I think some any team to the playoffs. That guy is amazing. He, he should. That's what pisses me off so much. Is I have by far and away the single greatest positional advantage of any team in this league. And here we are. Because like the gap between him, I don't know if this is half or not, but there's the same same gap between Kelsey and Andrews as there is between Andrews and Isaiah Likely, who's like tight end like thirty two. Jesus. Like that's like how 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 big the gap is. But anyways, yeah, Sean's team, uh, in having Mark Andrews and whatnot. Yeah, he's good. Um, I would, I think I would favor him. You know, especially if Lamar comes back over either one of Burp or I who make it to the next round. Um, I don't think it's really that close. I think it's like kind of like landslide victory kind of thing. That situation. I beat Sean in the regular season. Um, like half of his good players were on by. So uh, I really don't count that as like a, a real victory. Yeah. And then I, when I lost to Sean, it was the highest scoring matchup the league has ever seen. So that was, yeah. that was, it was kind of fun to be a part of at least. Welcome to the DSAC playoff preview with the Ron component. Yeah. Believe me, it wouldn't be a playoff preview if I didn't talk about the walleye at some point. I got to have like some connection to the playoffs here, or else I'm going to lose my mind. Yeah, we got to keep the ratios going. Yeah. Um, yeah. So with that being said, I think it's Sean easy, easy, um, 
route to the finals. And I don't know who who really makes it there. I think I think it, if I had to pick, it would probably be Alex out of those three teams coming from that side. Um, I think you're going with Chris. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking the, the winner of Alex and Chris here and advancing to the finals. So we've got a Sean and um, either Chris or Alex final, and I think I would probably favor Sean on, over either one of those teams. Yeah, yeah, I would too. Although I will say it would be kind of kind of fun to have a, a one seed versus six seed final. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, because... that's very possible. I mean, Chris is a really high scoring team. It's not like, it's not, as we talked about before, I mean, it's not like his team, his team almost had equally bad luck as the walleye. And, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to take strong on bridge with that, but sure. Well, I think Alex displayed his, uh, his record thing. And I think he was the only one that was worse than you, like luck wise. I mean, that, I think there's more factors to it than just strictly win-loss record based on your schedule. Oh but... my god! <laughs> <laughs> you can't you can't take the oh well I had bad luck but it's not the worst luck I had to have the worst luck. <laughs> Jesus. I mean I I feel pretty confident that I I don't think many people would disagree too strongly with me that I had like like beyond schedule luck too. I mean just d- different things with like timing of injuries and. Players regressing at random, and you know. Oh man, the Trevor Simeon one was a pretty fucking classic one. That, I will not lie, that was good. That yeah, was like, gold. in the grand scheme of things, it didn't matter because it, it's he said he was such an irrelevant player, anyways. But ju- just the optics were. Yeah, it was pretty great. Um, but we don't need to, you know, have a, a pity a one man pity party here. Uh, yeah, so we're pretty much. In in theory, we're in agreement that it's Sean versus the winner of Alex and Chris. We just don't agree on Alex or Chris. So Yeah, but again, I said that game could be a coin flip to me. Like I just think Alex's matchups in that game are better. That's that's really where I lie. And if you know, if if I liked Chris's matchups better, I probably would have picked him. Like that's how I think the talent's even on those teams. I mean, we're fading Nate Hard, but he still has a pretty good chance too. I think I haven't looked at the matchups for the round two for him, but if he had favorable matchups, he could very well take it. Yeah, and then I do think there is one big storyline here play that we kind of have neglected to mention that kind of only, in my opinion, bolsters my take on Chris being in the finals is Chris is just historically bad in finals. I believe he's 0-2 in basketball finals. He lost last year's hockey finals. He just needs to add a, a football finals loss and eventually a baseball finals loss to his resume, but Football is the one sport currently in action here, those two. So I think it makes sense that Chris advances to the finals and gets beat by Sean. Yeah, yeah, that could very well happen. Um, a hot take, I don't think Chris will ever make the baseball finals. Not with the way his team is currently constructed. I I, yeah. I mean, I know it's a, a, a football playoff preview, but I do think there are quite a few holes within the apes that – would limit his his chances of making the playoffs, but I'm I'm sure Chris, when he listens to this in a month, will be very frustrated with the strays his baseball team is catching. He'll probably listen to this as the baseball draft is happening yeah. next year. 
Yeah, just uh, not not thrilled about the uh, the pitches being thrown at him or the the homers that Blake Snell has given up on these pitches thrown at him. Yeah. By the time he listens to this, Kumar Rocker will be the ace of the fucking Rangers. Or uh, of the Yankees. I mean, he'll have advanced past Ramsey at that point. <laughs> he'll probably have been cut. Man, I I can't wait for baseball season. I am so pumped for this to happen. Uh, it has nothing to do with me being the champion. I just, I don't know. I guess with the lockout happening last year, it kind of like dampered my hopes for the next season. But now I know the season's coming, so I'm like really pumped up for it. And I guess we got the World Baseball Classic coming in a few months too. Yeah, that'll. I, I'm, I hope we have some, you know, like Adam Jones like moments here. I mean, yeah, that, that catch was in particular was was pretty cool. Yeah, I don't know who's favored, but I for, I forget the pitching staff I saw with Cabrera and everybody. I forget what team that was, but I mean the Dominican team is really stacked. Yeah, I can't remember. I just I remember the staff was loaded. It had like Castillo, Cabrera. yeah, it's Sandy Alcantara, Castillo, Christian Javier, Severino, Framber Valdez, and Freddie Peralta. Okay, Alcantara, yeah, yeah. That, that squad is loaded just there alone. I mean, teams get hits off those guys. Good luck. Yeah, I'm I'm also really pumped for baseball. As much as I, you know, much as hockey's my my favorite sport in general. I mean, baseball is my favorite fantasy sport, and I don't think it's, you know, all that close. Certainly not football. Yeah, yeah football is, like, scratching off a lot of ticket to me, right? Like, um, you know, you're you're just taking a chance on on a few players each week, and then, you know, you're going to, to the well again next week, just hoping that you hit again or, See, or changing up your strategy to try to get Try to get it done right the next time. I was I was going to compare it to having to cut off one of your fingers and trying to decide which one is least relevant to you, but maybe that's just how this season has gone for me. I think you might be you might do well if you get uh, like a co-manager like Kevin or something. I I don't know if there's anything that can wash the stink off this team outside of a complete teardown. It you just like. Pulling the trigger on Mike Evans was the most aggressive thing. I mean, <laughs> he traded everything. He said, take them all. I want Mike Evans. <laughs> I mean, there, there, there wasn't really, like, a ton else out there for me, but I don't appreciate you just laughing at me like this. <laughs> it's just so funny. I just knew whenever it was announced, I was like, holy shit, this guy does not give a fuck about the future. Man. I mean, I I was very clear about twenty twenty five picks being my cutoff. Like there, is, I am not moving. Like I I could be offered like Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. Like I'm sorry, I'm not moving twenty twenty six picks at this point. It's just that's <laughs> not it's not happening. But Ron, you're getting the first round pick. I mean, the first overall pick this year, or the second, or the third at worst. I mean, that was um, it was mostly said in jest, but like I, I don't think anyone's offering that. <laughs> me no i mean like your pick is oh. going to get there. oh yeah I, i'm i'm fully like uh what's the word i'm trying I to think you have the third best chance right uh let me check uh 
I'm an 11, so I have four plus dots. Okay. Yeah, but I'm, I'm like fully like just it's I've already I'm already to the point of acceptance knowing that one point pick 1.01 is coming up for, for the walleye. <laughs> oh, my God. Let's talk about this for a second. Me and Alex in the playoffs. Who would have fucking thought after even the start of this year? Not Chris. <laughs> I don't think anybody. I didn't think it was going to be. Yeah, no. As as I mentioned too, when when like you started talking about the all sport like a couple of weeks ago, like like football is supposed to be like my ace in the hole over a team like Alex, who was supposed to be in, in the basement for another year. I mean, Chris specifically had Alex twelve and U thirteen on his on his <laughs> list. Yeah, I mean, ESPN has about the same. So I mean, it was not expected by anybody. Here we are. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just. If I can place better than Alex in this, then I have a real shot at trying. Like, I'll definitely have to make some moves in both other sports, but I have a shot. Yeah. Um, definitely do. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's what it's going to take. I'm going to have to finish in second or third, and he finish in fifth to even even smell a chance. Yeah, you're definitely going to have to make up some ground here because, I mean, no offense to you, but it's not happening in hockey, and that's not a, a an anti-you statement. That's just a, a pro-Alex no, statement with this team. I know. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I have to make moves. Like, I have to sell the farm and get this going. Yeah. Because there's only four spots in hockey, too. That's the thing. Yep, and, and Alex is locked in as a, as a one or two. I don't see any way he loses in the semifinals. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's a it's a long shot by by far. I mean that's you know Alex hasn't won in the basketball playoffs, so I got that going for me. Yeah, you also got to make but it I, in. I mean you're you're just dangling by a thread there in, in lowly sixth place. Yeah, yeah, I am, I am. But in all DSAC, I am currently one. Yeah, we'll see. I'll get around. I can actually kind of update that here. Later tonight, now that the the non playoff teams in football are are locked in, there our our seeds don't move depending on the consolation bracket. So where right. we fit where we finish is already already locked in. So I, I can update at least that portion of it. Cool. Yeah, I, I think the thing that I really want to know is just um, if, if Alex fucking sweeps um, hockey and basketball, is it possible? I, I don't think it. I don't. There, there's no way because he'd have, he'd have a. Well, I, I would have to win football, right? Well, let's let me do this in my head real quick because he would have two firsts and a second. You would have a first. You would not. Yeah, he would be at least. You would need. I don't. I. I pretty much don't think it's possible for you to really win if. If he wins hockey and basketball, Jesus. I mean, yeah. So I gotta, I gotta beat him in football and pray, pray about basketball and hockey. Yeah. At this point, you gotta hope that Alex bows out in the first round of football, and that you are in there into like the the semis or the finals in the other two sports to have any real shot. Jesus, man, this might be the toughest fantasy thing I've ever tried to do. Yeah, Alex is a an absolute buzzsaw. Like I, I think when I was on 
when I was a guest on this pod, when Spencer hosted it, I think somebody prompted Spencer to ask me to like power rank all the owners. And I, I, I did it like straight up, like not even like joking around, like based on how good I think you all are. And I think Alex was number one on my list and that would not change. Although I, th- I think I had myself at second, which um, is aging poorly. Oh yeah. Yikes. We should just rename this, this league ASAC. Mm. Mm. Too soon. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. That's that's where my curiosity was. I know this is kind of a two man race at this point, but I mean things could change. Like we yeah, don't know that's, how. Long. Yeah, that was like my main yeah. thing here too. Was like like why I was so dismissive is like. Let's say uh, let's Alex is a three C. Let's say Alex loses, and um. I don't think it really matters. If Alex loses today, like he goes from a three in football to a five. Just yeah. automatically. And like that, I mean, that may not be a, a huge jump in the grand scheme of things, but like with the way that the the standings work for how you are eliminated in the playoffs, like just a one bad playoff week early on can can pretty significantly change things from where you were seated going in. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, if, if I win football, which, you know, long shot, um, that's pretty much the only way I have a chance for all these sec. That's what this conversation boiled down to for me. Yeah. Chris will be looking into how many different sports jerseys he can he can make for Alex. <laughs> yeah. We'll, 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 be, uh, we'll be like 10 years in here, like, I don't know, can I do like a, a NASCAR fire suit with all the patches on it for you? <laughs> You might just have to buy them like season tickets to Kansas City Chiefs games or something. Start hitting up. Uh, okay, you already got home jerseys. Do you want to weigh jerseys now? Right. Do you want? Do you, do you have any? Any like cool alternate third jersey ideas? You might have to move locations just so you can get different fucking jerseys. <laughs> We're gonna need to forcibly relocate Fargo. You know, global warming is gonna hurt his, his polar bear mascots. He's gonna have to, to relocate. There you go. Yeah. I mean. God, that guy is just I'm just I just wish I was here in the beginnings just so I could say that the teams that I built, but I know I wouldn't be this way if I mean hockey I've got a way better team than if I were to build it myself. Yeah. And I've I've moaned about it enough in the chat, but like the one thing I wish I could have drafted on my own was baseball. That was the one sport yeah. I didn't get the draft and I've been very vocal about that not going well for the original owner of the walleye. Your team's looking good, though. I, w- I wouldn't sleep on your team. I think your team's definitely a, uh, a playoff bound team next year. I don't. I don't know about. Um, I mean, a lot of things need to go right for pitching for everybody, right? But you know, your pitching probably did the best it possibly could until the playoffs. Um, like all season long, you had probably the number one ranked pitching staff. I mean, I would, you know, not to toot my own horn, but I do think I'm definitely up there in the top one or top two, maybe even top three if you want to be a little pessimistic about some of my guys. But. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're 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 at least, I would say, at the very worst, no one can make an argument for you being past four. Yeah. And like in, internally, I would say goals are this year are to just win a playoff round. I've made the playoffs both years. I just want to win a playoff round here, and then I I truly think that like 2024 is like the the real like go for it year. 
Yeah. Or it, it, I shouldn't say the, the go for it year, but rather the, the, the windows open, like fully open. Right, right. I feel like you have a long window, that's for sure. I hope so. Um, I mean, I don't know. You might tear down and rebuild. I'm just glad that I'm going to have draft picks um, that are mine next year. I mean, they won't be in that draft class, but I'll have them to utilize. So. And, and you having draft picks just scares me with how, how much I trust you to do damage with picks more than pretty much anyone else in here. Like, Dude, my, like my draft max is, is aging well. Yeah, like, <laughs> I'll just say this. To be quite it's honest, aging. there's multiple owners in here whom I would trust least with like the fourth overall pick than I would you with like a fifth round pick. <laughs> so I appreciate that, but yeah, I mean, I'm... Uh... I am pretty ecstatic with my draft class. I think I, I did really well. It, I was skeptical in the beginning. There were a few players that I I wish I would have taken still, but at the same time, I don't think I could have done a whole lot better. Yeah. So. Definitely, definitely looking forward to it, and I'm definitely looking to see how you can – I don't know. I don't really have great analogy for this, but I'll just say like you maybe be like a like a father figure to this draft class and really help raise them and, and nurture their potential here. So, well, I might um, take them out back to the shed, or I might send them off to the orphanage. Who knows? I mean, but, I, I I think the orphanage has a name, and it's called the Vegas Flamingo. But okay, <laughs> he got good picks. I mean. I don't know if you've seen, but uh, Tovar is a top ten guy now. So that's I, I don't really follow lists in the offseason as closely as you do, but hey, that's good for Tom. Yeah, I mean, a, a, a top ten shortstop is pretty fucking valuable. So if he can, if he can really get to his potential in Colorado, that might be a win for like the trade might look like a win for Tom. Eh, well. Well, there's other ways it can look like a win for Tom, and to be quite honest, it really depends on the structural integrity of Degrom's arm. Yeah, but, that too. I mean, we could we could see Degrom pitch maybe like three more starts or no or no more starts for me. Who knows? I mean, I don't I don't want to you know let you try to weasel your way out of that trade not looking great for you. So it was a win now trade. I, I swear I wouldn't have made that trade if I wasn't competing for a ring. That's the only reason I made it. I mean, if the Otani trade wouldn't have happened, I probably wouldn't have made that trade. But. God, that's, so, uh, I mean, I kind of talked about this in the chat here, but at some point during this month, there will be a bonus episode where I have a co-host on to talk about uh, bad trades and good contracts, because I think those are the two things that people love to try to have opinions on in our league. Yeah, that's great. And uh, believe me, that Otani trade will be very much a feature of of that of that episode that was just god i i'm still angry about that it probably didn't look good when it no, happened no no it didn't bad. like <laughs> every third, 11, 11 owners thought it looked bad when it happened but then it looked worse after after so oh yeah um, yeah yeah <laughs> I, I i immediately forgot that the uh, suspension came out after the trade yeah yeah. Oh my well, god. Yeah, dude. It, it was like a week before he was supposed to come back. Um and I think I traded him like probably a month and a half to two months before he was coming back from 
the injury. Yeah. So, yeah. And since we're on the Tatis topic here, I saw someone make a Reddit post, like, if, if the Simpsons did the Homer at the bat episode today, like, who all would be on the team? And we all know Tatis is the starting shortstop until he comes out with ringworm the day before the game, right? Yeah. I think we're all in yeah. agreement here. That's how the episode will be written. Cool. Oh, yeah. Maybe you should get Tom on that. He, he'll know. Maybe uh, DeGrom will be the other guy. Pitcher. Like, like he just, like, he's warming up in the bullpen and his arm just flies off and just kind of enters orbit. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a, a Simpsons historian. I've never seen the episode, so I'm admittedly not the, uh, not the most well versed in how it would go. So, but it just feels like a something you could write into the Simpsons. A pitcher's arm just kind of shooting off like a rocket. Yeah, Simpsons was way before my time. So, yeah, and that's saying something because you're old. I'm old as shit. So, well, we managed to turn a, a football preview into talking a lot about baseball and stuff too. So. Um, Anytime I can do that, I'm going to. Yeah, I'll I'll get with you on scheduling that um, prospect one. I haven't done any work on it yet, but what do you think? Let me just run this idea by you. Like, what do you think about like each person giving me a prospect they want me to highlight? Like, in addition to what I usually do or what I did that one time. So, it, ideally, it would probably be someone who's outside of like your top five probably right like like not your best guy not maybe it's like from this draft class how about that like somebody like that like everybody pick one guy from the most recent draft class that they had i, I want to get you to talk about kumar rocker though can i count kumar rocker since he was drafted this year <laughs> even though he, i drafted him two years ago <laughs> i guess yeah i mean i i'm just saying like not your best prospect. So, yeah, Kamar Rocker would definitely not be the best prospect. Well, um, I, I think that says more about the strength of my system than it does about Rocker himself. But, I mean, whatever fits your narrative there, buddy. Well, it just so happens you do have a good uh, farm system. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Rocker is not in the top half of your uh, farm system. Top half? Oh, uh, that's – man, I – Okay, I've got 23 guys, 20, 22 if you assume Adley will be up, but for our for your purposes, Adley should probably still be factored in because right. he hasn't been called up yet. So even at 23, is Rocker really not a, you know, a, a top 11 guy here? I mean, Ron, you have like – you have over 10 top 100 prospects. I mean, I mean, yeah, I do have a lot of guys, you know, studs like Henry Davis, for example, but – there's a, there's you know a few guys kind of down down land there like Ed Howard and Jeff Criswell and Tommy Henry, Pete Burdick, Hans Kraus, Matt Allen, Landon Knack. You know, the Jackson Ferris is admittedly a guy I drafted solely based on his name. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he might be better than Kuma. Um, <laughs> all, all I'm saying is he's closer to the back than he is the front. You've got a lot of good players. You should take that as a compliment. So what, but, you're, what you're trying to say is, is, oh God, I, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even want to commit to the joke here. <laughs> I'll, I'll DM it to you after this. Because <laughs> I, I don't, I don't want to actually say it because it'll, it'll sound more derogatory than it will like praising him. What's that? No, I'll, you'll, I'll, I'll tell you after. So <laughs> I, I think, I think we've about wrapped up. <laughs> 
about wrapped up here. So we can end the recording here and I got a couple of things to, to talk to you about uh, related to the song after this, because I still have not gotten your, your videos yet. So. Oh, right. Right. So thank you very much for coming on. I appreciate you on short notice here, you know, being the guy, uh, the, the pre, not the, not the step previewer, but the previewer who stepped up. No problem, babe. Alrighty, moving off of that, we can go into, I already have the, the hockey sheets open, so I think we can do that first. Alright, with hockey, what I want to do is lead off with records. So Chris was the only one to have a record this week. He set a new record for most blocked shots in a week. And we'll get to that total in the, the cat when I talk about the different category leaders for the week. But the first matchup up saw Barry beat off constantly, or I guess in his culture, wanked. Um, Ilya Samsonov had a, a shutout in the only game he played, 29 saves. Uh, three goals, four assists for Pierre-Luc Dubois. Two goals, two assists for Kuzmenko. Three goals, two assists for Keller. And three defense points each for Sandine and Dalin. On Mike's side... Two goals, three assists for Johnny Hockey. Twelve hits for DeBrusque. Two goals, two assists for Robert Thomas. And a goal and three assists for Anthony Mantha. Josh beat Kevin 8-4. Josh had three defense points, each from Rasmus Anderson and Adam Fox. 21 shots from Hayes. Ten hits from Hironik, who has been making me eat my words about his start to the season. Uh, 19 hits for Delorier. Three goals, three assists for Kyle Connor. Six assists and three STPs for Panarin. 10 blocks for Dowdy, 2 goals, 2 assists for Raquel, 12 hits for Tanner Janot. On Kevin's side, 15 shots for Verhage, 4 goals, 3 assists, 19 shots for Line, 2 goals, 4 assists, and 3 STPs for Roslovic, 3 goals, 4 assists, and 3 STPs for Nylander, goal and 3 assists for Jack Hughes, and 12 blocks for Sean Dersey. Paolo beat Ping 8-4 in his return to being the sole owner of his team, 2 goals, 2 assists for Dreisaitl, Five assists and defense points for Morrissey. Two goals, three assists for Pedersen. Twelve hits and 14 blocks for Rasmus Ristolainen. Four goals on 17 shots for Braden Point. Goal and four assists and a suspension for Jeff Skinner. <laughs> uh, three goals, four assists, and four SDPs for Nuge. Brian Newton Hopkins. Uh, three goals and an assist with 20 shots for Pasternak. 16 shots for Wheeler. Three defense points for Barry. On ping side, Andre Vasilevsky continues his uh, regression to the mean in a positive direction. A uh, goal, a goal, a win, 46 saves, a 152 goals against, and a 939 save percentage. Boone Jenner won 46 faceoffs. Dougie Hamilton had a goal and four assists for five defense points. Two goals, three assists, and five defense points for Shane Gossespierre. Uh, two goals, two assists, and 50 faceoffs for Ryan O'Reilly. 15 shots for Nelson. Two goals, two assists for Zabanajad. And two goals and two assists for Shifley. Alex waxed Tom 11 to 1. Um, his three goalies just in general were so good. They're going to be combined here. He had seven wins, 223 saves, a 197 goals against, and a 941 save percentage for Jerry, Shesterkin, and Murray. Incredible goaltending. In my opinion, that's probably got to be the best goalie week we've seen. I don't know how to check that. I'm too lazy to go back and look through two and a half seasons worth of matchups, so I'm not going to do that. But I'm just going to assume so. 
12 hits for Sam Bennett, goal and four assists for Jake Gensel, 11 blocks for Braden McNabb, 13 hits for Adam Larson, five goals for Rantanen, four goals, three assists, and five SDPs for McDavid, two goals, two assists for Marner, 12 hits for Corrali, four assists for Hurdle, 12 hits and 14 blocks for Luke Shen, who was an absolute incredible banger, apparently. Four goals and an assist for Sid. Well, I mean, it's always been Shen's game, but I guess I didn't realize how prolific he was at it. I uh, have three defense points for Eric Carlson, two goals, two assists for Stamkos, three goals, three assists, and 45 face-offs for Kopitar, four assists, and STPs for Gino. Goal and three assists for Zuccarello. On Tom's end, 47 face-offs for Stevenson, three goals, two assists, and 20 shots for Hall, three defense points for Theodore. Goal and three assists for Tuck, 11 hits for Petrie and Anderson. Goal and three assists for Fiala. Goal and four assists for Morgan Frost. Goal and three assists for Bunting. 10 blocks for Hag, 15 shots for Marcheseau. And lastly, in the saddest news of the week, my belt reign is over. Um, won the belt in week two, successfully defended it for six weeks, so a, a good seven-week reign there if you count the the win. Chris beat me 8-3-1. to three to one. Uh, you know, it happens from time to time. Lick our wounds. Try again in nine weeks, but we'll see how that goes. Chris had a win. 27 saves, a 0.95 goals against, and a 964 save percentage from Aiden Hill. Four assists and defense points with 15 shots and 14 blocks from John Carlson, who had a hell of a week. Three defense points for Falk. Three goals, two assists, and three STPs for Kadri. Goal and four assists with 53 face-offs for Lindholm. Five goals, two assists, 18 shots, and three STPs for Tage Thompson. Ten blocks for Nurse. 17 shots for Moore. Ten blocks and three defense points for Hannafin. Goal and four assists with three STPs for Kuznetsov. Three goals, three assists, 17 shots for Austin Matthews. And ten hits for Noel Chari. On my end, a little quiet this week, as you would expect from an 8-3-1 loss. Drake Batherson had two goals, two assists. Mo Sider had 15 hits. Bergeron won 55 faceoffs. We had four goals and an assist, 25 shots, and 12 hits for Alex Ovechkin. Uh, 13 blocks for Neil Pionk. 11 hits for Brad Marchand. And lastly, goal and four assists for five defense points from Jacob Chikrin. Glad to see him back and producing at a pretty good rate. Uh, huge, huge fan of him. Uh, category leaders, Alex and Paolo split goals with 30 apiece. Josh grabbed assists with 43. Alex won 333 faceoffs. Chris had 258 shots. The Walleye racked up the hits with 149 this week. Chris blocked 102 shots. Nobody had hit 100 in league history until now. Chris had 18 defense points. Chris and Alex split with 26 special teams points. And then Alex swept the goaltending categories. Seven wins, 223 saves, a 1971 goals against, and a 9409 save percentage. Players of the week, Connor McDavid for Alex, John Carlson for Chris, and Igor Shosturkin for Alex. Barry's players of the week, Carlson for Chris, McDavid for Alex, Tage Thompson for Chris, Ryan Nugent Hopkins for Paolo, and Nazem Kadri for Chris. Goaltenders, Igor Shosturkin for Alex, Linus Olmark for Kevin, and Connor Hellebuck. For Ronnie. Take a quick look here at the standings. Not a ton of movement at this point. I think the, the haves and have nots have kind of sorted themselves out by now. Alex tied with Chris in first now. 
with the exact same records, 76, 28, and 4. They are a whopping 10 and a half games up on me. Uh, Josh is in fourth, only five games back of me, so 15 and a half games back. Paolo is in fifth, 21 games back. Ping is in sixth, 30 games back. Barry is down in seventh, 34 games back. Kevin is in eighth, 37 games back. Tom in ninth, 44 games back. And Mike and Nathan are dead last at 48 games back already. Um, fun fact, uh, Mike's record is the inverse of Alex and Chris's records at 28, 76, and 4. It's probably not fun for Mike, but hey, he has his own draft pick back now, so I'm sure he's you know not as upset about it as he could be. All right, and uh, we can take a quick look at, uh, before we finish up hockey here, we can take a quick look at the scoreboard, who is playing who on the week and whatnot. We're back to week 10, so this is the first week repeated after we're doing the first full cycle. Uh, third place, Walleye in ninth place, Flamingo. First place, Frostbite in fifth place, Paolo's Word Salad. Uh, fourth place, Whale in sixth place, Mudskates. Uh, second place, Apes in tenth place, Off Constantly. And seventh place, Skaters. And eighth place, Kevin. And we can wrap up with some shooty hoops here. Uh, no records in basketball this week. But Chris really did a whack nut 8 to 1. Got 88, 22, and 31 on 11 threes from Luca. OG racked up 11 stocks. 89, 29, and 17 on 9 33 from the Lion for DeMar DeRozan. Miles Turner with the 600 field goal percentage. And then 42 boards with a 636 field goal percentage from Sabonis. Nut got an 800 field goal percentage from Brandon Clark. 11 threes from Sadiq Bay. 83, 24, and 13 on 13 threes. That's wrong. It's 83, 24. 24 being rebounds, of course. And then 13 threes from Kuzma. He didn't have to have 13 assists. Alex beat Murph 6 to 3. Alex had 82 points, 14 threes, and 6 12 from the, from the field for D'Angelo Russell. 6 32 from the field for Vucevic. 74 points, 24 boards, 10 threes from Jason Tatum, 15 threes from Nick Batum, 94, 25, and 25 on 14 threes, and perfect from the line for Paul George. And then Jimmy Butler, 74 points on 692 from the field. Murph had 42 boards and 813 field goal percentage from Jalen Dern, 93 points on 16 threes and a perfect free throw percentage from Bojan Bodanovic. 109 points, 33 boards, 28 assists for Siakam. And then Kelly Olenek went perfect from the line this week. Josh narrowly got by Paolo 5-4. He got 591 from the field from Durant. 88 points on 19 threes from Buddy Heald. 57 points on 53 boards. And 703 from the field for Capella. 677 from the field for Anthony Davis. 90, 26, and 30 with 941 from the free throw line from Drew Holiday. And Giannis had 113 points and 47 boards. Paolo had 84 points, 35 assists, 698 from the field, and 15 threes from Tyrese Halliburton. 44 rebounds, 667 from the field from Plumlee. Julius Randle had 94, 32 on 13 three-pointers. 658 from the field for Aaron Gordon. LeBron scored 79, and Caleb Martin knocked down 12 threes. Barry welcomed Kevin to the league with a 7-2 defeat. Uh, Barry had perfect free throw percentages from Garland and Brunson. 
87 points, 33 boards for Porzingis, 750 from the field for Mitchell Robinson, 130 points, 31 rebounds, 639 from the field for Embiid, and Jonathan Kaminga, 727 from the field, while Kevin only had 81 and 41 on 725 from the field from DeAndre Ayton. Nathan ate up the Pop-Tarts 7-2, Jokic dropped 83, 30, and 31, Larry Nance Jr. shot 682 from the field with 13 stocks. We had 107 uh, points and 12 threes from Kelly Oubre Jr. Bobo, 607 from the field. Uh, 15 threes from Tim Hardaway Jr. Jalen Brown had 78 points on 909 from the free throw line. 62 points, 43 boards, and 676 from the field for Rudy Gobert. 86 and 35 for Paolo Banquero. Meanwhile, Ping had 99 points on 704 from the field from Zion and 636 from the field for Ivica Zubats. Uh, Mike beat Keith to win the belt. That's right, folks. Two belts were on the line this week because Nathan's belt in football was not with a free-for-all. And both belts that were on the line changed hands. 6-3 win there for Mike. He had 714 field goal percentage from Allen, 97 points from Franz Wagner, 13 stocks and 619 from the field for JJJ. 82 points on 11 threes with 524 from the field from Terry Rogier, freed from Scunthorpe, shooting very well. Uh, 94 points and 39 assists from Trey Young. 82 points, 12 threes from Gary Trent Jr. 84 points and 953 from the free throw line for Shea Gilgis Alexander. Meanwhile, Keefe got 10 stocks from Marcus Smart. 99 points, 30 boards, and 14 threes for Tyler Hero. Dinwiddie had 76 points, 11 threes, and 913 from the line. Chris Boucher sought 917 from the line, and Onyeka Okongwu had 652 from the field. Uh, and lastly, yours truly took down Sean 7-2. I had 79 points on 917 from the free throw line for Jordan Poole, 84 points and 16 threes from Clay Thompson, 76 points on 12 threes and a perfect free throw performance from Dame, uh, 15 threes and 10 steals from DeAnthony Melton, while Sean got 13 threes from Bogue Bogue, and 11 steals from Anthony Edwards. Category leaders of the week were Ping with a 522 field goal percentage, Barry with an 8531 free throw percentage, Alex with 98 threes, Josh with 307 boards, Paolo with 220 assists, Alex with 65 steals, Barry with 37 blocks, Nut with 43 turnovers, and Mike with 814 points. Player of the week was Tyrese Halliburton for Paolo, and Barry's top five, Halliburton for Paolo, Paul George for Alex, Joel Embiid for Barry, Tyler Hero for Kiefer, and Larry Nance Jr. for Nathan. Um, after this week, I did do the roto table again. So Alex is out in first with 94 points. Josh and Barry, or sorry, Josh and Chris have 88. Barry and Mike have 82. I have 81. Nathan has 76. Ping with 75. Keith with 64. Kevin with 50. Paolo with 47. Murph with 44. Nut with 38. And Sean with 36. So it could be an interesting race to the bottom there between Nut and Sean. We'll see how that one goes. But, of course, we can look at the standings here real quick to see how that race to the bottom is going while the sprint to the playoffs is going at the same time. First place is still Alex. Barry is up to second. He's nine games back. I'm in third, only 11 games back. Chris is 11 and a half games back in fourth. Keith is in fifth, 12 games back. Ping is in sixth, a mile behind with 14 games back. Josh is pretty close there behind Alex with only 14 and a half games back in seventh. Nathan is in eighth, uh, 15 games back. Mike is in ninth, 17 games back. Kevin is in 10th, 25 and a half games back. 
Murph in 11th, 26 games back. Paolo in 12th, 29 games back. Sean in 13th, 32 games back. And Nutt is in 14th, 35 and a half games back. I mentioned the roto table, so while I'm here, I might as well at least tell you who's leading like each category. Nathan has a 4.965 field goal percentage. Barry has an 8.191 free throw percentage. I have 726 threes. Alex has 2,360 rebounds. Alex has 1,541 assists. Alex has 419 steals. Josh has 276 blocks. Kevin has 420 turnovers. Nice. And points, Alex with 6,157. Take a look now at who is playing who. Uh, I'm just realizing I forgot to do this in hockey, so we're going to have to go back and address that. <laughs> uh, you'll have already heard that, though, by now. Uh, third place, Walleye. Play the eighth place, Regulators. Ninth place, Valley Jobin gets 13th place, Sean. Good chance for Mike to pick up some ground here. Or maybe not. We'll see how the teams ahead of him do this week. Fifth place, Keith, and 10th place, Kevin. Sixth place, uh, uh, Ping in 12th place, Paolo. First place, Alex in second place, Barry. 14th place, Nut in seventh place, Josh. Fourth place, Chris, and 11th place, Murph. All right, thanks to Ping for coming on. I appreciate that on short notice. Really getting the uh, the reliever win equivalent there of a, uh, a DSAC podcast guest moment. So appreciate that. hope you guys got uh, quality analysis there that you come to this podcast for, of course. And I uh, hope you guys enjoy uh, football playoffs starting this week. So thank you all for listening, and I will catch you all next time.